1: You see, Abraham was saved by faith, he lived by faith, his obedience was evidence of his faith, and he obeyed even though he did not know where or when or how or why, and so should we as well. The legacy that Abraham
0: leaves behind is really quite stunning. And it's that legacy that we're exploring as we continue our journey through Genesis here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and online at highlands.us. Welcome to our program. As we begin today's broadcast, we do so in Chapter 20 of Genesis with a brief bit of review to catch up for those of you who are new to the program. Let's catch up with Pastor Leighton Sheely as we explore where we've been so that we might understand where we're headed in Genesis.
1: Well, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. We've been studying the fascinating book of Genesis now, Uh, The book of beginnings, and if you'd like to catch up on the sermon series, the previous sermons are available online at highlands.us. Moses wrote this after the exodus from Egypt, and what it tells us is that God created everything that exists, and he continues to rule. Everything that exists, it tells us of humanity's tragic fail and fall into sin and death and God's unfolding plan of redemption uh, mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 to Adam and Eve and then continuing through his covenant with Abraham and his descendants Isaac and Jacob. Now we've been studying the life of Abraham, so why are we doing that? Why are we studying the life of Abraham? I mean, what is this life of a man who lived thousands of years ago on the far side of the planet, no less? What does that have to do with us today? And what we find out is that Abraham is a very important person, not only in the Bible, but also in world history. He really is the father of many nations. And what God did is call this man and his wife to leave their home and go to a new land in order to give mankind a new beginning, a fresh start. And the life of Abraham is an example for all Christians who want to walk by faith. You see, Abraham was saved by faith, he lived by faith, his obedience was evidence of his faith, and he obeyed even though he did not know where or when or how or why, and so should we as well. God revealed a plan to redeem creation beginning with one man named Abraham, who had become the model recipient of saving grace through faith. He'd also become the founding father of a nation, a new and distinct nation through whom God would send his Savior to call people from every nation to be reconciled with their creator. Now, he wasn't the first person who walked by faith. Abel, Enoch, and Noah all lived before him and are all mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as living lives, examples of a life of faith. Um, Abel gave an acceptable offering to the Lord. But Cain did not. Enoch walked with God, and God took him. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, the biblical biographies that were given of these great men of faith are very short compared to the testimony of Abraham, and that's why we can learn so much by studying his life as it's recorded for us in the Scripture. Abraham lived in a time when the knowledge of God was very scarce Civilizations manufactured many gods and worshiped those gods and created superstitions to explain what they could not otherwise explain. But Abraham believed that there was one true God. The other gods were did not exist at all. And he staked his entire life on this belief. And today he is recognized and revered uh, by the majority of the world as the father of faith. And the story is preserved for us in Genesis and tells us what... Much of what we need to know about faith. You see, as we study the life of Abraham and Sarah, we learn what faith is, how to walk by faith. And we discover that if we trust the Lord, there's no test, that's impossible. And praise God, there is no failure that's permanent. Praise God. So, some review. In chapter 12, we're introduced to Abram and his wife Sarah and his father Terah and his nephew Lot. And the very first verse of that chapter says the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land. I will show you. And uh, so even though God's instruction specifically said, leave your father's household, he took his dad and he also took his nephew. And that uh, turned out to be a uh, result in delayed obedience and some problems. Uh, his father decided to settle in the city, city of Haran, and so did the rest of the family, and that delayed their obedience. And when dad passed, they continue on, and Lot became a source of many problems for Abram. Now we find in that same chapter, chapter 12, that Abram and his household fled to Egypt because there was a famine in Canaan where they had recently settled, but he did so without first praying to God. And so there he resorted to scheming in order to protect his life by being introduced as his wife's brother. You see, she was very beautiful, and he was concerned that somebody would kill him in order to take his wife. And so he had this story that he would tell that that he was the brother, and that would put him in a position then that he could negotiate with suitors and perhaps be able to deflect their attention. But his plan didn't accommodate the idea, the notion, that Pharaoh himself might be interested in Sarah. And lo and behold, that's what happened. The Pharaoh took Sarah to be one of his wives, but before they came together, he found out that Sarah was actually married to Abram. And although Abram could have been killed for what he did, instead Pharaoh sent him, Abram, and the whole party away with many riches, and they returned to Canaan. Now, by the way, today's chapter, chapter 20, is going to sound an awful lot like chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 13, we find a transformed Abram. He's no longer scheming for safety and comfort and wealth. You see, when they came out of Egypt, they came with many riches and their herds were great. And Enos' nephew Lot had a problem. They had to separate because of the herds. And and by custom, Abram would have received first choice of the land, but he gave the opportunity to Lot. And Lot chose the best grazing land, which happened to be right outside of the city of Sodom. The Bible tells us that Lot looked towards Sodom, and then he moved towards Sodom, and then ultimately he moved into Sodom, and the consequences of his choices and values were revealed in the chapters that followed. Well, in the next chapter, chapter 14, Abram's nephew Lot and his family are taken into captivity when four powerful kings from the east come and sweep through and conquer the cities of the plains, Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities. Abram put together a small little army of 318 trained men and defeats an army that was thus far undefeated. And after that victory, he is met by Melchizedek, through whom he gives a tithe to the Lord. And instead of keeping the loot from his, uh, from his, his victories, he gives it all back, saying, I don't want anyone to think that I have received wealth from anyone other than God. Now, one might think that after this upheaval, Lot would be hesitant to return to Sodom, but he wasn't. And his family returned and with devastating results to his legacy. The next chapter, chapter 15, describes a conversation between God and Abram, which Gabram expresses concern for his heir. And God promises Abram that he's going to have many descendants from his own DNA. Now, there's an ancient ceremony that was common in the land, but this this version of it was quite exceptional because only God went through the ceremony. Only God made the covenant. It was a one-sided, unconditional covenant of blessing. And that covenant immediately followed one of the most profound verses that we find in the Bible. Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abram believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, righteousness is right standing before God. And so what it says is, Abram put his faith in God's word, and God declared him righteous. And this verse is pivotal to understanding salvation by grace through faith, as it's described in the New Testament. Well, after the overwhelming victory of chapter 14 and a personal conversation with God in chapter 15, you would think that Abram had it all together. That his faith was solid and stable. But instead we find in chapter 16 that he and his wife decided that God needed some help keeping God's promise. And the result of that was Ishmael, who was born to the Egyptian servant girl Hagar. And so this misstep by Abraham results in what the modern journalists refer to as the Arab-Israeli conflict. Chapter 17 is the chapter of names because in it we find that God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. And the name of the child that's going to be born is given, and that's going to be Isaac, and his name means laughter. And it's also the first time we learn a new name for God, El Shaddai, the all-powerful one. In chapter 18, God comes for a personal visit to have lunch or dinner, With Abraham, and he announces that the child, the promised child, was going to be born before next year. And he also announces to Abraham his plans for bringing judgment on Sodom and the cities of the plain. You see, the people in these cities had carried on with their sins as though nothing else mattered, unaware that God's patience with them was at an end. You see, God's love is infinite. And his grace is free, but his mercy has an expiration date. He's a God of both compassion and justice, and it's important that we not lose sight of both and become focused on one. Some Christians focus on God's judgment to the exclusion of even referencing or recognizing God's love. Other people focus on God's love to the point of, Forgetting about or not recognizing God's judgment. The fact of the matter is God is both merciful and just. And it's because of that that he came up with this salvation solution that reflects both of these qualities, these characters, characteristics of God. God's plan met both his mercy as well as his justice. Now, Abraham intercedes on behalf of the cities, and he, he gets God to agree if they can just find ten, just ten people out of all of the thousands who lived in these cities who would be considered righteous that God would not bring judgment upon those cities. But they couldn't even find ten. See, chapter 19 tells the rest of the story. And the focus in chapter 19 is on Lot, Abram's nephew. And basically, this chapter contrasts the righteousness of Lot with the righteousness of Abraham they couldn't find even 10 people considered righteous and so God's judgment rained down so thoroughly that nothing remains even to this day they can't even find thus far the remains of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah
0: a great review of where we've been in the past few broadcasts here on study verse by verse for those of you catching up If you'd like to review any of those messages that we've had in the past, they're available online, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. You'll also find information about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, who we are, the times that we meet, our location, and how to get here. It's all at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Chapter 20, front and center, tomorrow on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layton Sheely. Join us then as we continue our journey through Genesis.